the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 405 for March 9th, 2014. Apple announces CarPlay, AT&T and T-Mobile announce new plan pricing, and Google announces a new Gmail for iOS. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, the iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, as expected, Apple on Monday announcing iOS in the car under a new name of CarPlay. This happened all at the Geneva International Motor Show. CarPlay lets the iPhone take over the in-dash display of the car, providing access to navigation, phone functions, messages, and music. CarPlay will be accessible on vehicles from manufacturers such as Mercedes, Volvo, BMW, Ferrari, Ford, GM, Hyundai, Jaguar, uh, Kia, Mitsubishi, Nissan, Subaru, and Toyota. Uh, Those will be coming uh, later along this year. Now, CarPlay will be available as an update to iOS 7 and works with Lightning-enabled iPhones, including the iPhone 5S, 5C, and iPhone 5. And a lot of uh, people showing demos of this and videos of just exactly what CarPlay was supposed to be. And you, uh, you know, add this onto the top of the news we saw last week from Google and the new stuff that they have for in-car entertainment. And it's very interesting to see just how this is going to be changing the way that we interact with our devices through the dash of our vehicle. And, um, you know, personally, I, I kind of was thinking of uh, something that was going to be a little bit less uh, integrated. I, I, I didn't quite understand what they were talking about. Uh, and, you know, obviously, I iOS in the car sounds good, but is it more than just Siri? And and what they've now showed us is, yeah, absolutely it is. There's a ton of stuff that you can do with it. And so it's it's exciting. And at the same time, um, you know, I'm, I'm still hesitant on, on how that's actually going to change the way that we interact with with dashes here. And is this actually going to solve the issue of distracted driving and where people are, their attention is, whether it's to the road or it's to trying to figure out what it is they're doing with their dash. And fortunately, I guess it is a fairly simple uh, interface. It's not all that complex. It's just there's a lot of stuff that you can do with it. Um, you can't actually read emails and you can't read messages that you can have your messages read to you. And then I believe respond to the messages as well through a series of voice commands. So some different things there that uh, certainly make sense for for making sure that you're staying in touch uh, with those even when you're on the road and not being distracted by reading something on a screen. Yeah, exactly. Like my car's got a regular Bluetooth uh, interface in it where it's not, um, you know, it's it's just the Bluetooth headset profile is all it has. But I do use uh, the Siri interaction with that. I'll press and hold the uh, the Siri button on the iPhone and, uh, you know, ask it to read me my latest message and reply to those messages via the voice uh, command. It actually works fairly, uh, fairly predictable and reliably. I mean, it doesn't always get the, uh, you know, the, the, the text quite right, but then you just say change it and then just re-record it and, uh, you know, hit send, uh, you know, tell it to send. So it's pretty handy. So this is just kind of taking that one step further. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, is, is my car has something similar to that, where it will actually grab the text of the message and and display it on the screen in the car. Um, you can go in there and, and hit play, and it will pl- you know read it back to you. Uh, but there's a little bit of futzing that has to go on there, and so generally I'll just look at it and see the message. And there's no way to reply to it other than going in and, and jumping out of the car's interface and going into, as you mentioned, into Siri and, and and going through it that way. But this is taking this to a different level where it's all through the interface in the car, and it basically 
basically takes the functionality off the phone. So, um, and in fact, I think it was Mercedes who in their video showed it where you plug in the phone and, and then really close the console, right? So you're, you're not even tempted to touch the phone. And so all of the interaction that you have is through the car's controls, which I think is the right way to go. Again, I, I'm just, hes- you know, not hesitant, but cautious of what this actually is going to mean for people as they're, you know, starting to learn it and, and trying to understand what it is that they can do with it and stuff like that. And I'm just, you know, I'm a cautious person and I'm trying to f- make sure that I'm totally understanding what it is that they're doing. And I'm sure, uh, you know, the, the manufacturers of, of the vehicles are ensuring that these are safe or at least uh, up to today's standards as far as safety in the car is concerned. One thing that'd be nice is to have an interface that's actually uh, basically kind of similar across different auto manufacturers. Can you imagine, you know, if you're renting a car and you get in another car with that you're used to car play in uh, and you can just work with it right away. I mean, to me, that seems almost like a, uh, a, a better way to avoid, you know, distracted driving, trying to figure out how to turn the radio on versus just, oh, it's the same interface that I'm used to. Here we go. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, of course, that it's all done over a wired connection, so it's charging the device at the same time, which is is certainly nice, I guess. Um, I, you know, sometimes it, 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 the Bluetooth convenience is, a, in my opinion, a, a better way to go just because you don't have to do anything. The phone just stays literally in your pocket. Um, I, I don't ever pull it out. It just, you know, hop in the car, Bluetooth connects, music starts playing, and uh, as things happen, they come in on the, on the, the screen of the car. So um, granted, I'm missing out on some of the functionality that, of course, you're, we're talking about here with, uh, with a car. CarPlay as an example, but it, it still is nice, and I feel relatively safe in, in doing it that way. I'm I'm also not tempted to do things like read uh, to read emails or anything that come in because I don't see them and they don't pop up on the screen of the car either. So um, either way, uh, very interesting stuff here. Again, we knew this was coming. It was just great to see it. There's all sorts of videos out there if you're interested in watching exactly how this is going to work. But essentially, you can control all sorts of stuff. You can make phone calls. You can control your navigation and uh, have your messages uh, interacted with there as well. And of course, play your music. The only thing I wish is this was available right now in cars and I could go back to my car and install this in the car that I have, you know, even though it's like a six year old car. I want it right now. I don't want to have to wait how many years for the next generation vehicle to get this because, you know, uh, car development cycles are, you know, many, many years long. And then by the time those models that are currently out get refreshed, it could be five years from now that and, until this gets into the next model car. Yeah. And the vehicles that we saw this in were relatively high end or, or very high end. It was Ferrari and Mercedes. Volvo is, uh, I guess, the only we'll call it middle market manufacturer that was also announcing it as being accessible and available to their vehicles that are being sold today. All those other brands that we mentioned are coming soon. So, yeah, it would be nice if it was if it was something that was coming out a little bit sooner. But again, this is a, a this year thing, not like two years from now. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as retrofitting cars, yeah, certainly there's uh, I would imagine there's going to be aftermarket stuff that gets uh, that gets put into uh, to, to you know those like Sony or Pioneer or whoever's making decks that are going to do the CarPlay stuff so that you can retrofit existing vehicles because certainly going out and buying a new car just to have CarPlay doesn't make a whole lot of sense and most people are not going to do that um, but uh, either way yes just you know hang on here we'll see these uh, later this year and uh, certainly the next new car that you buy or car that you buy model year 2014 or later there's a good chance that you're going to see connectivity with your smartphone, which is very nice. Very exciting stuff. Well, the FCC this week confirming that Dish has bought all of the 1900 megahertz licenses in a frequency auction from last week. Using a shell company to hide its name, the satellite provider paid over $1.5 billion for the spectrum, a large amount of spectrum uh, for which there isn't much competition. And while Dish isn't saying what it will do with it, it's likely that it will use it to increase its wireless broadband efforts. Well, that would be great. You know, I think Netflix should be buying all the spectrum up and just launch their own network to a 
avoid having to go through Comcast and Verizon and all these basically uh, competitors of theirs to provide the content uh, that they want to provide directly to the customers. You know, cut out the middleman. Why not? You know, why have to pay big, you know, data connection fees to uh, to, to all these, you know, basically competition where all they're going to do is try to eliminate Netflix because it competes with them. Uh, and of course, this year buying all the Spectrum, they could deliver uh, TV, you know, kind of like what Comcast is doing with the TV on the go. They could deliver TV directly to consumers, skipping Comcast and Verizon networks as well, because I, I can see in the future that it's going to be the same issue with anybody delivering streaming media on a competitor's network. You could start having issues where you have to start paying extra to provide streaming video. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure that we're ever going to find a you know utopia here when it comes to this because you'd have to have someone who's just all they're interested in is providing a dumb pipe and that's that's it. And about the closest thing we I think we've seen to that is Google with their fiber, but uh, that's relatively far off and it's only in certain areas and it's not going to come everywhere. And, and you know there's there's something to be said about the local telcos, the incumbents that have got these this infrastructure in place and, and having to just use that or being able to just use that. But at the same time, you're you're still going to be running into certain issues and again as joy mentions it's it's a there's just no real good way around this here and unless you go wireless and that's extremely expensive and of course then the bandwidth is also uh very limited the resources there are, are not uh, all that plentiful yeah and obviously this right now this you know that's that that's you know way in the future you know five ten plus years in the future where that could actually become possible with the amount of bandwidth uh, you know, right now it's just not even lte standards does not provide enough data through the the spectrum that we have to provide a bunch of users with streaming video it just isn't capable of that but someday in the future that spectrum would be capable of it yeah i suppose and in either way i think as as we continue to move on here and continue to see the expansion uh, of uh, wireless services through each of the providers and then also through some relatively non-traditional providers like a dish it's going to be you know we're going to continue to see uh, optimization happen here and and uh, they'll be doing things that we uh, you know that we're maybe not seeing today to help increase the efforts for how they can distribute all the content to each of the users well as we've mentioned recently if you think your lte speeds are slower today than a year ago you're not alone but the good news is on the horizon for AT&T customers through a practice that's called carrier aggregation. It's coming with the latest smartphones being sold by AT&T this year. AT&T announcing on Thursday that it has improved its LTE network in the Chicago area and two other unnamed markets by using the LTE advanced technique of carrier aggregation. With aggregation, AT&T has combined the channels of its existing spectrum to double capacity. AT&T is running LTE on both 700 and 2100 megahertz bands in Chicago. So by aggregating the channels together, AT&T can deliver theoretical peak download speeds of over 100 megabits per second to devices that have support for the service. Currently, the only device AT&T is selling with that capability is the Unite mobile hotspot. The Samsung Galaxy S5 is expected to be the first smartphone to support carrier aggregation in the U.S., of which, of course, launches next month. AT&T, like we said, did not name the two other markets that will have access to this, but said that they are on the way shortly. Sprint, T-Mobile, and Verizon are all in various stages of deploying carrier aggregation in their own LTE networks. AT&T on Saturday announced changes to its mobile share value plans available in one or two lines. Per the old plan, the single two gigabyte mobile share value line was costing uh, customers $80 per month. Uh, That's $55 for a two gigabyte bucket plus $25 for device access charges. 
Starting today, Sunday, March 9th, the two gig mobile share value plan drops to only $65 a month. That's $40 for the two gig bucket plus $25 per device, a savings of $15 a month. Now, also under the new pricing, two lines will cost a total of $90 per month. That's 40 for the 40 bucks for the two gigs and then $25 for each device to share that same two gigs of data. The mobile share value plans include both unlimited voice and national and now international messaging. AT&T said that both new and existing customers will be able to take advantage of the new rates. Lastly, all mobile share value customers can sign up to receive 50 gigs of free cloud storage using the AT&T locker. AT&T recommends that customers needing three or more lines for its mobile share family plans uh, check out the unlimited voice and messaging plans with 10 gigs of data starting at $145 a month. So not bad here if you're on a single line and you can get by with uh, just two gigs of data. You can now get in on the postpaid stuff with uh, AT&T for only $65 a month. Verizon on Monday announcing revamped prepaid plans for both feature and smartphones under a new brand they're calling All Set. The feature phone plans start at $35 a month for 500 voice minutes, unlimited messaging, and 500 megabytes of data. Upping to unlimited voice and text is only $10 more at $45 a month. All Set smartphone plans cost $45 a month and include unlimited voice, text, and 500 megs of data. Plans allow you to use the mobile hotspot function on your device, and Verizon is also offering bridge data, letting customers add more data to their plan at any time. Available for up to 30 days, customers can add 500 megs for 5 bucks, a gig with a 90-day expiration for only $10, and 3 gigs of data with a 90-day expiration for $20. Unused data will carry over from month to month, and the bridge add-on is billed on a monthly basis. For also a limited time, Verizon is offering to double the monthly data allotment as well, and include one thousand monthly minutes to calling for mexico and canada all all set customers who will get that when they sign up for auto pay the new plans are available immediately and unfortunately though the new prepaid service does not allow access to the carrier's 4g lte network instead like all the other prepaid options for verizon you're stuck with 3g data speeds verizon on friday announcing that customers can receive twenty dollars off their monthly bill by combining accounts of wired and wireline services with their home files connection and television service Customers will receive $10 off their wireless bill and $10 off their Fios bill for a period of two years, providing a maximum discount of nearly $500. The promotion is available and runs through April 19th. Sprint this week expanded efforts to help prevent the resale of stolen phones by using CheckMend's online tool. CheckMend maintains a global database of stolen phone IDs. All Sprint stores will check the ID of unused, excuse me, of used cell phones against CheckMend's database to determine if they are stolen. Devices listed on the stolen list cannot then be activated on Sprint's network. Sprint will also submit the ID of any Sprint device reported lost or stolen by customers to CheckMend to further improve that database's accuracy. Because CheckMend is available online, customers can use it to check the validity of a uh, used phone's ID before they purchase it. This is obviously a very big deal with uh, those that are going and buying new smartphones, whether you've lost your phone or broken it, or maybe you just want a new phone. You're going and maybe looking into the used market, and a clean ID uh, is something that's very important. Otherwise, these carriers will not activate the phone on the network. So great for Sprint customers. If you're going out and buying a new device, you can go and check it yourself. And uh, it looks like there's going to be some great cross functionality here between the two uh, sprint and checkman that is 
for uh, maintaining this database. Well, T-Mobile on Friday announced changes to its existing simple choice plans, changing data allowances while keeping the pricing and unlimited voice and text allowances the same. At the lowest tier, currently $50 a month for the first line, that double the amount of data from 500 megabytes to one gigabyte. The next tier at $60 a month increases from 2.5 gigs up to three gigs. And the top tier, which starts at $70 a month for the first line, will change from unlimited data to a new cap of five gigs of data, though existing customers will be grandfathered and be able to keep unlimited data. Unlimited data for new customers will still be available, though you'll have to pay a premium, 10 bucks more, and you can get in at $80 a month for that first line of unlimited data. Now, simple choice plans already offer free global roaming in 115 countries uh, for text and 2G data. They will also now include free unlimited texting from the U.S. to other countries, along with an increase in the number of countries up to 122. Extra lines cost $30 a month for the second line and $10 a month for lines three through five. Existing simple choice customers will automatically be upgraded to the new plans on March 23rd for postpaid and April 26th for those on prepaid. Well, we're starting, it seems like we're starting to see some downward pressure on some of these data plans here on the the uh, prepaid side of things where the, the price is starting to ink you know just inch down just a hair yeah just a little bit and i think the uh you know t-mobile is really at the forefront of this in fact i was i was talking to my wife about this uh, the other day and just because she was asking she's like well have you seen the commercials for t-mobile and i said well yes of course you know and uh, she said, it's, it's interesting. So they're, they're doing all these, these interesting things and paying for these things and stuff. And she said, well, how are they doing? I said, well, we've got two stories on the show this week about uh, the, the bigger guys making changes to their plans because of what T-Mobile is doing. And so uh, certainly it's making a dent, uh, at least in some uh, respects. And so uh, if you look at uh, you know, just what it's going to mean for them long term, uh, obviously, I think the news is pretty positive. They lost a little bit last quarter in uh, the you know in their earnings, but that's I think a little pain for a long term gain as far as you know adding over a million people. They haven't done that in in years uh, in a single quarter, and so that makes all the difference there. These are good plans though, if you think about it. For fifty bucks, and you get unlimited talk and text, some international data, and one gigabyte of data here locally. I mean, this is really a uh, a plan that uh, you know just a, a year ago would have cost you know, almost double that, I think, and so. Uh, for everything that they're throwing in here now, free unlimited texting to other countries and uh, that edge speed. And, you know, certainly I think if you're used to LTE data, going back to edge is, is pretty painful. You know, they're offering it though. And, and if you're not looking to, uh, you know, do a lot of streaming stuff and all it is is send and receive email, then you're probably going to be just fine uh, when you're traveling remotely. Just keep in mind what that actually means and that you're going to have to wait. It's a pretty big, uh, you know, it's a pretty big difference in the uh, how the experience goes. But either way, uh, new plans here automatically rolling out, uh, like we said, to customers here for postpaid uh, just a couple of weeks and about a month and a half for those on the prepaid side. Just one device uh, story here this week, and it's a report from ZDNet talking about how Apple uh, has been having or users have been having issues with lightning cables used for charging on late model iPhones and iPads. The issue is that the cables corrode over time, eventually stopping of charging of devices, and the impact uh, appears to be pretty widespread, actually. So Apple not responding to the report yet, and those who have taken cables back to Apple stores have been met with various responses from flat-out replacement to claims that the damage was actually caused by moisture as as a result of user error and uh, i think this came out on uh, thursday joey and it was interesting because you sent it over to me and uh, i saw so i started of course looking at all of my lightning cables and i do not have any corrosion on any of mine but i understand that's not the case with you yeah no my iphone the the one that came with my iphone originally does have uh one of the contacts i noticed it actually you know, a couple of months ago it was 
basically turning green. You know, it's a telltale sign of corrosion where it, it, and it's not exposed to moisture or anything. Uh, it, you know, it sits in, you know, just inside all the time, just on my desk uh, for, or my nightstand for charging the iPhone at night. And, and it's uh, like that on both sides because, you know, I put it in whichever side it happens to be. But the same contact on both sides has that same uh, greenish uh, color to it. So it kind of kind of mostly rubs off, but you can tell that it's kind of slightly damaged when you look at it closely. And that's the only cable, though, including, I guess, ones that you carry with you or have maybe in the car. You don't have any issues with any of those? No, no, none that I've seen. Yeah, and, I, and I'm and i the same way. I, I have seen corrosion issues on uh, iPhone cables in the past, the 30-pin ones, but never the lightning ones. So uh, just something to keep in mind. And again, take a, you know, if you have one and it's not working properly, you can try taking it to the store and see if you can find someone who uh, will swap it out for you. But again, uh, like I said, the, the experience has been varied. And realistically, it actually could be coming from the phone itself, but it's hard to tell because you can't even see the connectors inside the lightning, inside the phone. It's, they're, they're kind of too far deep in there to really get a, a, a visual on them. So it, it, you know, it could be just transferring to onto the cable. Yeah, there's, there's a number of things, of course, it could be. It's, uh, you know, it could be something where you happen to have the phone, uh, you know, carrying it with you when you're running or something like that. And, uh, you know, be the sweat drops in there or, you know, a, a raindrop drops in there. I mean, it could be anything and it's not actually doing uh, damage to the, the phone itself or maybe it is, but it's a slow, you know, corrosion. Uh, but then, of course, it gets on the cable and causes an issue there. My guess um, is that there's there's probably maybe one of the, or two of the contacts that are providing most of the power and then there's a data transfer on some of them. And I, I mean, I don't know exactly how this how it works, but I bet if we took all of these corrosive cables and looked at them, we would be seeing uh, one of the similar contacts or contacts on them having the same issues over and over. Uh, and uh, who knows? We'll see if this becomes a, a bigger issue, more widespread. Uh, but either way, again, Apple has not uh, responded to the report yet. So we'll just have to see what happens there. On the software side, Google on Wednesday announced an update to its Gmail app for iPhone and iPad. The biggest feature of the update is support for background email fetching. With the update, emails will now be downloaded in the background as they arrive to the user's account and will be available for immediate viewing upon opening of the app. Previously, new emails were not fetched for the, from the servers until the user actually opened the Gmail app. The change will be a significant time saver for those using Gmail on iOS devices as the downloading of messages took an average of between 10 and 15 seconds in uh, my experience. Google notes that users will have to have at least a badge, banner, or alert enabled, but for most users, badges and banners should be turned on by default. This is a big deal for those that are using Gmail. Um, I've actually started using the Gmail app uh, prior to uh, this change. All I used it for was just to see the push notification when messages were actually hitting my account, but then would just open up the mail application and uh, go and let it download from there. But now, as soon as I get the push notification, the, the app is actually downloading the message. And so it's faster now for me to just launch Gmail and deal with the messages there if I'm doing it, uh, you know, just kind of... Um, on the spot. Now, granted, if I'm doing a whole lot of message triaging, uh, I'm taking a little bit more time uh, and a lot, you know, I've got a lot of accounts that are coming in. And so I'm doing those all. But uh, for just quick and dirty, uh, you know, you get an email in and you want to deal with it. This is a great way to go. So check it out. Make sure you've got the update here if you're using Gmail on an iOS device. And also Sprint on Wednesday saying that Android 4.4 KitKat will be arriving to a handful of Samsung smartphones very soon. The update has already come to the Galaxy S4 and Note 3, but will also now come to the Note 2, GS4 Mini, GS 
S3, Galaxy Mega, and Galaxy Tab 3 7.0. Timing will vary by device. Well, we've got a handful of questions and comments here, so let's start it off with a question from John. He says, guys, I hope you're having a great week. I was wondering if there's any way to get a Google KitKat phone on Verizon. I currently have a GS3 with unlimited data, and I don't want to lose that. And I'm looking for a new phone on Verizon, but would also love to have the pure, or actually he said, he said I would love to have just the Google software. Uh, thanks, John. And so um, I'm guessing, John, here that he's what you're asking for is a pure Android device. And um, he didn't actually specifically ask for that, but that's what the assumption is here. So the devices that have this uh, are those, of course, in the Nexus line and then also the Google Play Edition devices. However, none of those devices today work on Verizon. I will point out something, though, that the Moto X may be a good option for you. It's running KitKat. And while it does have some enhancements on top of the OS, uh, in my use, they were extremely helpful in most cases. Uh, it's not Pureoid, but it's pure Android, that is, but it's Android enhanced. And so I think it's actually a good, uh, good option for you there. And of course, the pricing on these devices is uh, pretty low right now. Uh, but if you're looking for just an Android device, you're going to have to uh, pick up something that's uh, not on Verizon, at least at this point, to be able to use that. So I suppose then the other thing you could maybe look into is the Cyanogen mod. I mean, that you can get the very latest, uh, I believe they do have a build for that for particular phone uh, mm-hmm. and ha- get the latest um, version of Android. And and basically, it's it's kind of stripped Android. It's uh, raw Android, basically. It's got a few tweaks in it, but it's 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 pretty much a Nexus-style interface. It is. And, uh, you know, you're on the GS3. You can, uh, I believe, go back and do that one. The GS4 is going to obviously be better. Uh, and the other part of it, the point is, you, you know, Galaxy S5 will be here before we know it here in just a month or so. So if you're looking to spend your money on a device, maybe you want to hang out uh, or wait it out, I should say, and uh, see what that one's like. Go check it out. And maybe that'll be the device for you that uh, uh, certainly not pure Android. But again, uh, there'll be something that you can do and you can install, uh, you know, another mod on there and uh, get it, get an OS that you want, something that works uh, right for you. Next up here, question from Patrick. He says, Mickey and Joey, you guys I may have covered this previously, but uh, you talk about how you use iMessage exclusively on your iPhones. And because of this, you can receive uh, messages and any iOS OS on any iOS or OS 10 device that you use, regardless of whomever you're sending the message to. Uh, or whenever, whether or not they're using iMessage or not. Is that correct? If so, because I run Android, is there an equivalent to this? I'm trying to use Hangouts now, but I wasn't sure if it will meet my needs. Patrick. So, um, Patrick, let me, it's not quite accurate, uh, your understanding of this, so let's try and clarify this. What we're talking about is communicating uh, solely with people that use Apple devices. So whether it's an iPhone, an iPad, or a computer, that's what we're talking about is using our iPhones, iPads, or Mac computers to communicate with those other Apple devices. iMessage is currently proprietary to Apple, so it only works with those that are using Apple products. Uh, What we were saying is that we can communicate with these users in one continuous stream. So as an example, I can uh, start a conversation, actually like I did earlier today with Joey, talking about when we were going to record this show. Uh, I sent him a message on my iPhone and he responded who knows what he responded from probably his computer because I think he was working and then I had followed up with that just a a couple of minutes later as I walked into my office with a message response on my computer and it's all in the same thread just like you would expect yeah and that's what I did to you Mickey I replied uh, to your initial message on my computer but I had actually used my iPad to follow up with the next message because I was in the other room uh, when you had messaged me back with from the first one so yeah it's just kind of you just pick it up wherever it goes 
Yeah, so on the iPad or iPhone, it appears in the Messages app, just like an SMS or MMS would. However, if you're communicating with someone that's using another OS, a non-Apple OS, it's going to come through as an SMS and then only show up on the phone because it's sending it specifically to your phone number and it's not going to pop through on iMessages on your iPad or computer. Unless you're using Google Voice like I am. So if I get a text message, I see it on my iPhone in the the messaging app, but then I see the uh, push notification on my iPad for the uh, SMS via Google Voice coming in. So I see it that way. And then, of course, on the computer, I don't have it installed, but there is a Chrome uh, plugin where you can actually see the notification show up on your uh, computer desktop, but I, I don't use that. And uh, there and there are other ways to get around that as well. So in my case on Verizon uh, or yours as well, Joey, mm-hmm. you can go t- and get the messages app, uh, the Verizon messages app for the iPad or go to the messages web page uh, for Verizon and get your text messages there as well. So um, Joey gets uh, messages come through on his Google voice number. If I happen to be using my regular phone number and someone texts me there, it of course comes through on the phone. And then on the iPad, it comes through as a push notification uh, in the Verizon Messages application, so um, but but again, this is that's not exactly what it sounds like you're talking about here. Um, and and to that point, uh, if we get a text message, that message, even though it's it's basically coming through very similarly to what you how we're doing this otherwise, they do not appear on the iPad in Messages or in Messages on the computer. So just keep that in mind. Um, the point is that there's so many people that we talk to that are using iOS devices that it makes sense that we. Uh, use iMessage uh, for the stuff that we're doing. It's not that um, it's it's taking advantage of everybody that sends any message to us. It's just that there's so many people that we uh, that we work with that use iMessage. So there you go. Regarding Android, and your second question here, Hangouts is a good option for you. Uh, if others are using it as well, you can have a conversation that continues across various devices in the same application. It, it works on iOS too. So on the phone, the SMS uh, will now uh, actually be pushed through to Hangouts if you tell it to. That's one of the new things with Hangouts is that it can actually be the place that manages all of your text messages. So it's a little bit different uh, in, uh, in how that works, but it's uh, very similar to how iMessage works. Again, messages um, show up in, in the same basic window on your phone as, uh, as this was. But again, we're talking about the same thing where if it's an SMS, it's showing up in Hangouts, like it's showing up in messages, but it's actually only going to that particular device because that's the phone number that it's going to. Um, but uh, either way, you can keep all your conversations there. So when you're on the phone, it, it seems to make more sense. Keep in mind, SMS is only going to show up on the phone though. So again, if you're using Hangouts on the tablet or on the computer, you're not going to have the SMSs show up in that stream there. Again, if you're not using Google Voice, if you're using Google Voice, it's a whole other thing. And that's one of the, the great things about it is that you can get, get send and receive messages on any device that you want. Um, and uh, like I said, if, you've, if you're on Verizon, the Verizon Messages web app or tablet app is also quite useful. And I would definitely recommend checking that out if you're sending and receiving a lot from your Verizon telephone number. In fact, I just responded to a text message earlier today from the computer. It was fantastic. Next up here is a comment from Adam. He says, guys, I was just listening to last week's podcast and wanted to uh, comment on a discussion about smartphone integration in the car. We all know that any Apple-specific implementation will be iPhone only, 
I have hope that Google may actually be uh, able to have a multi-platform solution. Here's why I say that. The past year, uh, in the past year, my wife and I got a new Toyota RAV4. It has an in-dash system that includes a few available, uh, always available applications, including the map, but you can also expand the functionality by installing and running the Toyota Entune app on your Android or iOS device and then connecting it to your car. Android can connect via Bluetooth. iPhone needs to be plugged in via USB, but then you can take advantage of traffic, Bing voice search, gas prices, Pandora, Open table and more using your phone's data connection. And while it's actually a horrible implementation and is such a pain to use that I rarely actually connect it to the car, it is a clever multi-platform solution that works with my Galaxy S4 and my wife's iPhone 5, although I couldn't take advantage of it right when we got the car since I was still on my Pre 3 at the time and not surprisingly there's no webOS app available. But we all know that Google has no issues making iOS apps, so I wonder if there will be an app that acts as an interface between the car and the device instead of a direct connection or API. This would benefit Google because people would still be able to use Google services, i.e. maps, search, etc., and it could be attractive to car manufacturers since they would then be able to appeal to multiple smartphone platforms, not just one or the other. What do you think? Adam. Well, this is exactly what BMW is, uh, the approach they've taken as well, but they're way more into iOS versus Google. They, they have the uh, the Android uh, platform available, but it's just not nearly as robust uh, compared to the iOS side of things. But yeah, to me, this seems kind of like uh, they should maybe think about doing something like that. But I have a feeling with the, you know, the way the business environment is, let's lock things out, let's lock out competitors, then we'll work with you. Yeah, and I think that's probably the the way that we're going to see this here is that um, I love I love your thinking here, but uh, we'll see how that actually gets pulled in. But I, I totally get it. I mean, it's uh, there. I mean, I've got a whole folder and it's full of of Google applications, whether it's Wallet or Music or Gmail, Chrome. I mean, they're, they're all apps that Google has made for iOS. And so, yes, certainly there's no reason that they couldn't do it. Um, it's just a matter of if they decide to do it. Uh, to me, this is going to be some sort of like. Chromecast type of functionality, I guess, right? Where it's going to be a cross-platform type of uh, integration. And maybe as on the iOS side, you don't get quite as quite as good of implementation, but you still get some of it here. It's a great thought, though, and uh, perhaps the car manufacturers may work something out there. I'm sure Google has already thought or is thinking or has done all of this, and uh, we'll just find out in due course. Well, of course, I think that the, the cars, the vehicles themselves should have both CarPlay and the whatever the Google one was called, I can't remember, I have remember. them both in the dash where depending on which phone you connect, then it loads up that particular version. So they should all have both. Yeah, and it would be it would be fantastic if that were the case. Um, and then you can just choose whichever one you want. Again, going back to our conversation last week on the XM Sirius thing, uh, it's just a it's whoever the manufacturer of the vehicle actually decides to jump in w- in bed with, really, and decide to integrate with. And and from there, then they can figure out uh, we'll figure out what kind of cars that we want to buy, or uh, what kind of phones we want to buy to go along with our cars. Or you just won't even care about it, and you'll still do the same thing you're doing today, which is probably either Bluetooth or plugging in via an aux cable into your dash next up a quick question from matt he says can you use an unlocked moto x from us cellular on the t-mobile network it looks like they both have uh or use, looks like it has the 1700 megahertz band thanks matt well matt uh, it does appear this is correct uh the specs over at phone arena show that it uh the moto x for us cellular has gsm and umts that does have 1700 megahertz integration so you actually would get the functionality of uh, the uh, 3g networks and then it also has band four on the lte side which is what t-mobile is using here for LTE, so you should be good to go. Uh, looks like this is a, a good uh, match here for you. So uh, yes, 
the answer to that question is yes. And uh, finally today, a question from Patrick, and he says, uh, cell phone junkies, with the current security update from Apple, I was forced to update my wife's iPhone 5 from iOS 6 to iOS 7. She's now complaining about battery going empty in the afternoon. Prior to the update, she was getting a full day of battery. I also have an iPhone 5, which I had updated as well, but I don't have any other problems. I went to the web and did the ways to save battery tips, turning off most of the features, but still no improvement. Now, I'm thinking about resetting the device and starting from scratch. I will not do a restore. I've already backed up all of the data except for the SMS. Do you know which of the best one of the best ways to save and or export or copy SMS to an HTML PDF spreadsheet format so we can view it later on a computer? Thanks, Patrick. So this uh, recent update to iOS here where they had the the security certificate issue, I kind of had thought that maybe they left they had they were still doing the updates for the iPhones because they did for the iPod touch with the iOS 6 update uh, one you know, 6.1.6 but alas no you do have to move to iOS 7 in order to get this particular update uh, on your iPhone uh, you know unless you have an iPhone 3GS uh, or an iPod touch fourth generation uh, you have to upgrade to iOS 7 to uh, to do this. So everybody out there who hasn't done it, uh, that you are going to be forced to now if you want to actually have uh, trusted, secured connections for your devices. Yeah. So let's let's talk about a way that, to possibly do this. So um, there are a ton of apps out there that actually talk about ways to export the data. Though uh, Joey, it sounds like it actually may be easier than going and getting one of these apps. Yeah, most of them are for, uh, you know, you have to pay for them uh, unless you just want a couple of records to just, you know, see that it actually works. If you take your backup file and uh, extract data files out of it, the, the the database for the text message is actually just a standard, you know, database format where you can like a SQL style or MySQL style database file where you can just pull it out and just you have all the records there. So you can uh, back those things up. Uh, one thing I'd give a shot uh, to is actually just restoring the device from a backup from iTunes where uh, you take your device, you reset it, uh, or you, you do the backup in iTunes, make sure you do the full device backup with all the apps, and then um, wipe the device using the reset all connections on the menu and then plug it back into iTunes and it'll ask you, do you want to restore it? And give that a shot uh, before you wipe entirely to, if, if you haven't done this already to see if the battery life improves. I know there was a lot of battery complaints when iOS 7 was first released out there and it seems like most of it kind of went away. I know I think initially I had uh, some, I think I had some battery problems, but they kind of went away. So I suppose give that a shot first and then do the full wipe and uh, install applications one by one to see um you know see what uh, is happening if there's a particular app that's doing it or if there's a particular service and like you said you went through some of the recommendations uh for that and, and there are a lot of new things in ios 7 that could be draining your battery especially like the, the the background refresh that we talked about earlier with the the gmail application uh there's you know other services that are now available that could be uh, affecting the battery life there could, and, and there's actually a lot more coulds than uh, than could nots, I suppose. And and again, there's a lot of things that Joey has kind of mentioned there that there it could be a whole number of things that, um, you know, there are just a lot of apps that are probably running on the device at this point, unless you've uh, gone in and uh, forced closed them. And one thing I found was the Dropbox app. It still does it to me. If I turn on the uh, background syncing, that thing just really sucks my battery down. So I, I do not use that because it just drains it real quick. Yeah, and I, and you know, on the flip side of that, have no issues with it. Uh, in fact, I've noticed that my battery has been just fantastic lately, and I'm not exactly sure, um, you know, what what the what the 
the thing is, if it's just been my workflow or whatever it is, but uh, I'm, I'm usually ending the day uh, somewhere in the 40s uh, percent as far as my battery is concerned. And so certainly couldn't make it two days and I'm still charging it every night, which I would either way, uh, but I'm uh, not charging it during the day. It's just kind of making its way through. No problem. So um, I also have uh, a, a new I now have a Verizon extender. Uh, uh, femtocell in my office, which I think is probably helping as well because it's keeping my battery uh, or it's keeping the signal strength so high that the battery isn't having to work nearly as hard. And of course, there's Wi-Fi connection there as well. So there's a, there's a couple of things that are probably going into that. But uh, if you are interested in uh, looking at one of these extractors of information, uh, one of the ones that uh, looks like it's probably decent is called iPhone Backup Extractor. It can be found at iPhoneBackupExtractor.com. Uh, but Patrick, I'll also shoot you an email as well for uh, there. There's an article talking about how you can just go into the SQL database and uh, just do it uh, pretty easily here through uh, one of these apps that they have. Uh, it's from osxdaily.com and uh, look for that email uh, fo- uh, shortly following the show here as we'll send that over to you so you've got that as well. Well, if you have any questions or comments for us, you can get in touch with us by sending email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com or giving us a call to 206-203-3734. And either way, we'll get your question or comment on a future show and uh, get any questions that you have answered or comments that you have shared. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.